welcome to the second episode of Behind the BDS. I'm so grateful to have you all here, so thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Emily Moore. I'll be exploring numerous mental health diagnoses on this podcast and gaining an insight into individuals' experiences living with these conditions. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Chloe Lennox to the podcast, also known as Dentists and Their Fillings on Instagram. I met Chloe at our first dental school interview at Cardiff Dental School about four and a half years ago, I think. We clicked straight away and I was gutted we both didn't end up at the same school. When I started up my new Instagram page, Chloe reached out to me again and it was so great to reunite. She told me some of her experiences with BPD at university, how she took a leave of absence similar to me to work on her mental health. She's also going into her fourth year of dentistry now in September at Newcastle Dental School and I'm so excited to chat with her today about her experiences with borderline personality disorder, how she's found support at Newcastle Dental School and some of the general stigmas in dentistry around mental health. So welcome Chloe, I'm so excited to have you here. You reached out to me as well, it was literally like, oh my god, like I just was buzzing. I can't believe like we were like got on the same path kind of mm. like we met at our interview and then now we're both like interested in the same thing going into the same year and everything a hundred percent it's literally Season. like deja vu like literally yeah. like same same person and I think yeah it's really weird because I feel like all my interviews I kind of met like one person not like yeah, particularly who yeah who stood out it was like you and my Cardiff one then I had one girl at, <laughs> one girl at Liverpool who I like really got on with and it was like that every single interview I had yeah. like one person um so it's amazing that like we have come full circle in oh, a way no. and now we're back talking about mental health and yes. dentistry and just <laughs> dentistry in general and it's nice because we are at the same point so to sort of be exactly. able to like share that and kind of understand where we are in terms of going into fourth year so that's yeah, really nice so what I'll do is I'll let you kind of introduce yourself a little bit first, like if there is anything you kind of want to say about obviously dental school, you've had your journey in general or um, your hobbies, interests, etc. like where you're from. Um, so just give us a little bit of insight about you, I suppose, for all the listeners. Yeah, so um, basically I'm from Northern Ireland. You could probably tell by my accent. Um, <laughs> I love it. Literally can't understand the thing I say. <laughs> um, and I, yes, I'm going into fourth year of dental school at Newcastle. Um, I decided in September of last year to actually take the full year out of uni, take like a full gap year, um, because kind of like my mental health had like reached breaking point. Um, and actually at that time in September, I left thinking I would never go back. Um, mm. I was wanting to transfer to Queens in Belfast, which was closer to home. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like, I was kind of embarrassed of my mental health at that stage and like um I just wanted to be closer to family and friends like at mm-hmm. home and like I just thought nobody would want me in Newcastle anymore like I'm too much hassle and stuff but then that didn't end up working out because there's you know like there's so many differences between yeah um, the like course structure and everything so it just would have never worked out but mm. like I'm so glad I took this year out because I learned so much like I got my like final diagnosis of BPD and um like I did so many crazy things like I was Santa's elf in Finland in the Lapland oh my god no way stop (laughs) it how how long were you there how long were you there for 
I was there for like the full month of December. Oh, um, I'm so yeah, jealous. For, like Christmas, yeah. I literally wow. loved it. I like I was supposed to do like a ski season and do Euro camp, but obviously, fortunately, because of COVID, yeah, we can't do that. But I like have been able to like meet some amazing people and like do crazy things I would have never done if I was oh, still at uni for this year. It's amazing. That's the thing. I think sometimes I look back and obviously it wouldn't have been for like mental health reasons at that time, but I do look back sometimes times and think i wish i'd taken a leave of absence but not yeah. leave of absence a gap a gap year before yeah. starting uni because i just think sometimes you know you do rush into this whole like you know college then going straight to uni and it's just like constant yeah, constant and i think in some ways i get that that might work well because you don't get out of that kind of you know you know kind of lose your academic sort of focus and you're not sort of just yeah. chilling chilling for a year and you sort of lose that kind of motivation maybe but at the same time I feel like I haven't really been able to experience a lot of things that I probably maybe would have wanted to at this age or haven't really traveled or just done anything things and I know you've got your whole life to maybe do it but sometimes yeah, I always exactly. I do look back sometimes and think you know people who I know who've gone on gap years have like really enjoyed it and like done so yeah. many like incredible things and met a lot of people and just sort yeah. of mat- like matured in themselves really so exactly. especially for us at this time where obviously we've had mental health concerns as well um it's amazing that you actually managed to do them sort of things as well rather than sort of being confined to being at home sort of thing yeah that was like my aim of the year because I wanted to like make the most of the year Mm -hmm. and I'm like not someone who like sits about Mm -hmm. and like I know I would have just been miserable sitting about at home and like I kind of needed to show myself that I could go out like put myself out there and put myself in situations I usually wouldn't have to show the growth that I've made this year especially it's so true I think I felt like that as well I felt like it scared me a lot taking like leave of absence and also for me like it was nearly at a point this year again where I was kind of told that I was maybe going to have to take another leave of absence again so like I'd be another year behind and I just thought Mm. I just the thought of it like stressed me out in that sense of like am I just going to be sat at home like miserable and it's going to make me even worse and like make me spiral even more negatively and I think sometimes like the dental schools don't necessarily see that because they just think oh like that's the easy option or like that's what you've got that's what you've got to do is take leave of absence but in reality like that doesn't always help people it can it can be helpful but I think that's why you've got to do what you did and just be really proactive about it and try and make the most of it definitely and I think also like the whole taking a year out or even just dropping down a year I like was so emotional about seeing my like friends graduate without Mm. me and like see and I would still be there for a year and they're all moving away I found that like very difficult to think about almost whenever I decided to take the year out yeah 100% I can agree with you with that because my brother I've got a twin brother who's doing dentistry at Liverpool yeah. and then my friends so it was thinking like all of them are going to be graduating even though obviously like it's amazing but obviously like to know that you were supposed to be in that situation yeah. and just just on mental health grounds like that's not what you're going to be um yeah. is really difficult and especially like for me I don't know if you felt the same but starting back into a new year group like having to meet a lot of other people and sort of like for me I kind of wanted to be like my best self if that makes yeah. sense to, like meet other people so to to still be mentally not the most well and then to have to build try and build new relationships I kind of felt uncomfortable sort of reaching out because normally I'm very like sociable and get like love meeting new people and stuff but I kind of felt uncomfortable that I was going into that yeah. situation of having to like make new friends but then like I didn't feel like me if that makes sense I don't know how you found that yeah no I think it was more for me this I go back in September but um it's more everybody knows like my story and kind of Mm. the person I left uni 
is a completely different yeah. person to the person I am now. So they know the old me and they know like what people have been telling them about me during mm. that time. And it's just kind of going back with a fresh like mind and mm. like letting people get to know the real me. Yeah, it's so I true have a better actually. Understanding. Yeah, it's probably quite like, yeah, kind of, not, re- I don't know what the word is, but not like reward it, well, kind of reward it, but just like amazing that you can go back and like be your true kind of authentic yeah. self and like know that in a way, yeah, you're kind of going back as a new person and just see it like that as if kind of you're starting university again. But obviously, yeah. like, I know that isn't the case, but it's quite a nice way to look at it and sort of think like you can just be the real you and hopefully like that yeah. is that is good enough, you know what I mean? Like you don't yeah, have exactly. to put on this facade that maybe you've had to for a very long time. And yeah. um, I think, yeah, that just, give me a lot of comfort I think just to think even the last obviously I've had a bit of time now with my like new year group um and they've all been amazing but like I think yeah I think I've probably built it up and made it a bigger thing in my own head thinking like oh they're gonna judge me or this is gonna be you know I'm not I'm not the real me and like I am like that's not how I ever was when I kind of met my first year group in first year I'm like a different person and I'm like not feeling kind of emotionally like amazing myself and then I just kind of felt like they'd be judging me for it or thinking oh she's a bit boring or she's a bit this um when actually like they probably haven't even thought anything of the sort it's just something that you kind of build up in your head a little bit isn't it so it's something that yeah definitely obviously I've had the year now being with like a new year group and you'll be absolutely fine especially now you're going back into a position where you feel like you are kind of more your kind of truth kind of found yourself in a way which is nice and like for me obviously September last year when I went back into my kind of new year group for the first time like I still wasn't really very well at all like I hadn't really made much progress by that point so I think that probably made it a bit more difficult where this year now going back in September I definitely am on the same page as you with that I definitely feel like I've kind of it sounds really kind of cliche I feel like a lot of the time when you say like oh I found myself or like I'm a completely different person but it's just so true isn't it when you've had to like navigate mental health issues it's um it is hard like identity is kind of like a difficult part of it I think definitely and I think that's a big part of like BPD is like you have such a strange like relationship with your self-image and like how you portray yourself and I think because like not many people know about it like I would have been called like a psychopath or like um like crazy or manic like whenever I didn't understand what was going on inside my own head and I thought like oh it's just a joke like they're just saying it as a passing comment but those actually really affected me at that stage so yeah it's kind of going back and just worrying how people are going to view you Mm, it's horrible like like, that should even be a thought in your head you know what I mean like it's just so like uncalled for and also like that's the thing when you're so confused in yourself and like you're experiencing these symptoms but like you have no idea how to even like word it or like what it even means or what it is and then you've got other people sort of telling you like you're this or you're that and then it's like they're basically like diagnosing you or like telling you you're feeling a certain way when you might be or you might not be and it is difficult when people are sort of like telling you how you feel but then like that isn't even correct like you don't even really kind of understand how you feel at times so it's really difficult it is definitely and like I just remember whenever all this like whenever I first started getting symptoms and stuff like everybody just throws terms about like I think you're kind of similar like I literally went to the doctor and they were very unhelpful like at that time and they said oh you're depressed you have anxiety yeah Um, like I'll just give you drugs do you want anything else like kind of just throwing all these terms about quite loosely whenever 
um like you don't really have much meaning behind that at that yeah. stage and like I got told I had OCD you know I've been told I have bipolar you mm. know everybody just throws these uh, it's so true loosely. it's so yeah. true like even doctors I don't know if it's because they become so like I don't know if they become a bit numb to it because they they're seeing it on a daily basis that they just think they can just sort of like throw these terminologies around and yeah. it's not really gonna have like a massive impact on you but like yeah. obviously say even for you like I can't even imagine because for me like the only thing I, I obviously they said yeah you've got anxiety depression but obviously for one like I haven't been formally diagnosed through a psychiatrist anyway it's only been through a GP so it's not even like a formal yeah. confirmed diagnosis so I kind of still find it a bit odd because I kind of feel like do I have like I still question myself I'm yeah. like do I have anxiety depression or it could it could it be like an element of other things that I still don't know because I haven't been like through that process of being formally diagnosed so I think yeah. that's kind of odd in the first place and then also the fact like you know she would say that, like a couple of other people whether it's been like a university tutor or the GP again who else yeah university like student GP. well-being yes yeah, student well-being like anyone who's had an involvement and they'll be like oh you know i'm a counselor as well like oh you thought yeah. about like you might have a bit of ptsd or you might have bipolar or you might have adhd like i have had again quite a few like diagnoses kind of thrown yeah. at me it's like oh you could have this or have you thought about this and i'm thinking oh my god like i have no idea like i'm not a doctor so like i don't know obviously we probably yeah. on our, our course we probably have a bit of a kind of more understanding than maybe Seven. some people but we're not you know psychiatrists like we don't know kind of the ins and outs of psychiatric conditions either so to sort yeah. of all these like names getting thrown at you oh you could have this you could have that you just start googling and i'm thinking oh my god yeah. like do i have this I, I don't i don't know what i have and what i don't sometimes and that can be quite yeah. kind of scary in itself and um like you say it is kind of um yeah unusual maybe that people do sort of throw these things around so kind of blase in a way yeah I think I was very lucky because we have like a family friend who was a psychiatrist so when mm. everything's got like really bad um, I had taken a leave of absence during my third year it was like around February March time I took like a week out just to like get my head sorted get yeah. medication get the treatment sorted and I was able to talk to him but he came to like the conclusion that I had depression and OCD right. and I like I never felt like that was the right diagnosis mm. for me I you know whenever I was diagnosed with BPD I had done a lot of like research about it beforehand yeah. And it just kind of, I kind of just knew that that was mm. what was going on. Everything like made sense, like my behaviours yeah. and my thoughts and feelings finally made sense, which was like such a relief because mm. then I finally was able to get like the right treatment to so like help me understand 100 percent. i think i agree with you actually i think you sort of kind of knowing yourself sometimes more than like what other people and, and obviously you do know yourself better than everyone else anyway but i think yeah. a lot of the time you know it is easy to just sort of think oh you know what the gp says like that must be right but a lot of, i agree with you i think for me like i know depression especially like i feel like there could be other elements that are maybe i'm missing but like with depression and anxiety like i just know i've had it like it's yeah. not even like i can't obviously it might seem like some people are like how can you know like you're not a psychiatrist like you don't know what you're talking about but like you know and it's the same thing like you could just it just fits like it it feels comfortable like it makes sense like and that's yeah. for me obviously when people have maybe thrown the odd other thing like saying i might have bipolar or ptsd or um adhd and all these other things then i've maybe like googled it and thought like oh you know maybe like you're trying to yeah. sometimes trying to like apply myself to the situation yeah. and i'm like do i like i don't know but then i think it doesn't necessarily feel like it 
fits if that makes no. sense so i'm not completely yeah. kind of i'm not in denial to the fact that maybe i you know i'd be open to like think if i ever saw a psychiatrist to see like what they you know say or like what they think i have and kind of what i would be diagnosed with but in terms of where i'm at at the moment like all i kind of know is what i know if that makes sense and what feels like comfortable to me or what makes sense to me like what you said and that's kind of obviously where i kind of sit with my diagnosis in a way but it's interesting that you say that about kind of you know with bpd it just sort of felt right if that makes sense yeah it's really interesting i think i think the the problem I had with like psychiatrists was that I had to go to like such extreme lengths like it mm. I it took me to have like almost like a suicide attempt for me to get seen by mm. anybody it's unbelievable. And I think, yeah I think that was such like a difficult thing to like understand like why is nobody helping me why do I have to be hospitalized mm. to be able to actually even get an appointment to see someone who can show me the right direction it's true that's what I find really difficult is like with the whole kind of process of seeking help you know it's one really difficult to seek help in the first place I think it's underestimated like how hard it is to make them initial steps but then when people are doing that a lot of the time like that's when they're desperate already and every kind of day or or week feels like a month of them having to deal with this situation and then in that time you know you're getting put on like a waiting list for a month to be able to see a GP or a waiting list for a year access nhs services so for me it kind of like when i started having symptoms in the march i felt like i tried to seek help quite quickly because i knew in my own mind like this is going downhill this like this is this is a problem and then started reaching out for help in the beginning of the april but then at that point like i was on an nhs waiting list then for a year so literally it's only been this lockdown that i've actually heard back so that's a whole year out where like that's just the nhs thing that's that and then the GP at uni even it'd be like you know a month waiting list at a time um the university counseling service that might be like a month waiting list to get the first appointment and you just think like even though to these people like that's the best they can do and it's just the demand and lack of services and all of this but this is the problem and then you know what do people think is going on in that like month two months three months that you're waiting for these things like things just spiral progress and get more severe and then like you say it kind of gets to a point where you feel like you literally end up having to be hospitalized or trying to kill yourself and that's where someone actually might pay the slightest bit of attention and even then not necessarily even considering the like severity of the situation so it's really difficult isn't it like the waiting times and things like that yeah I think like especially whenever I first like noticed changes in myself and my mood I like kind of tried to seek help and I just took whatever was first available so like I just went to the student well-being and that just wasn't suited to me or I went to um, a counsellor like I was lucky to have private health insurance at the time so I could have gone privately and um, so I went to like a counsellor but that was like not the right treatment path for what I had I needed an actual diagnosis to be able to even yeah. treat it first that's true and I think that's the big thing you can't get help without knowing knowing your diagnosis Mm, that's so true you just sort of like because obviously you're so desperate which is so understandable like i was the same you just literally cling on to any form of support that you you know is there or like like, you know comes your way in a way and it's very like it is very kind of active in the sense that you have to 
really go out of your way to seek the help like it doesn't just come to you obviously it's not just going to come to you but I think you sort of so desperately you kind of think oh you know it might not take that much and people are going to like just kind of support me just come to me and help me out but it's for me it felt like a very kind of persistence and like very an active process of me having to like look for one form of treatment and then if that didn't work where am I going to go next researching looking and that's exhausting when you're already mentally in like an awful place to then have to like do all that by yourself is quite difficult and obviously hopefully like people don't have to do that by themselves and can have support by the family and friends and things to help them like get the support but if you are doing it by yourself you know it's so hard to have to like find these things because you don't know until you're going through something what support's available and what again like you say until you've got your diagnosis which treatment's actually going to work for you in the first place it's so difficult I think also like with BPD there's quite a lot of like stigma around it and like doing research I've luckily found like a psychotherapist who like works really well with me Um, Mm. but I think a lot of people struggle finding someone who will actually treat BPD Mm. Um, and I'm not really sure why it is I think there's quite a lot of stigma around it Um, and I think it's quite difficult to treat because you know everybody has different experience which is kind of triggered um, them feeling this way and they are sometimes may seem di- like difficult people but I think they're just they care above and beyond anybody else could ever imagine caring about things and people and like themselves yeah. too and I think a lot of like a lot of people have been like turned away from like psychologists and counsellors because they have BPD <sighs> Gosh. Um, yeah, it's I awful. It? That's the thing. Cause you think, at least with me, like with depression and anxiety, like that is more. It is more. Well, I mean, BPD is still common, but obviously, anxiety, depression will be more common. But then yeah. that's the thing. At least there is a lot of you know that, like you know, CBT works for those things or counselling. Yeah. I feel like they see it more. But like you say, with BPD, to actually be able to like to go to a counsellor or some kind of psychotherapist and then be like, oh, you know, no, we don't really deal with this or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, that is just going to make you feel more helpless. Like, then it's like, well, who who do I go to now? You know, it's like, it's just really, it's very kind of, yeah, difficult to think why is there not enough people or why where are these people that treat bpd or like who you know who's yeah. capable of doing that because considering how common it is like it shouldn't just be like oh you know there's only counselors to treat anxiety and depression and then everything else just gets forgetting about and like there's no treatment or there's lacking kind of treatment with counselors and things like that and um psychotherapists so it's a uh, yeah it's interesting why with bpd it's not as kind of accessible in a way to get the right counseling or the right support whatever that yeah. may be and I think also like BPD isn't usually like treated with medication like some of the side effects or like symptoms of BPD are like treated because you like I'm quite an anxious person so um, like an anti-anxiety is quite helpful for me so whenever I first got I got put on sertraline initially and I was like what am I like what changes in myself am I supposed to feel like yeah you know people the doctors are like oh are you feeling better like is mm. it medication working but what what does working mean <laughs> yeah. like I didn't understand that I totally feel you on that experience because obviously I was well I'm still on sertraline now and well coming off it but yeah it's like that experience of them saying oh you know do you think it's worked like we've upped the dose yeah. is it has it worked and I'm like I don't know yeah. what what is that like I don't know what I'm meant to be like on it or yeah. like what it's what I'm, supposed I'm, to feel yeah exactly and they don't really explain that and I mean I suppose they don't maybe know either but you know just yeah. to say like has it worked it, again it's quite difficult you're thinking maybe oh I don't feel like I'm meant to feel fully recovered but then I don't so does that mean it's not working 
worked at all like it hasn't worked or is it doing something but not anything like you know it's helping a little bit but then that's it like is it meant to work any more than that and I need to be taking a higher dose or is this it like is that the maximum kind of effect it's gonna have you just don't know these things and I feel like it is very like blase they'll just be like oh yeah do you think it's worked yes and then okay we'll just stay on it then or or I'm not you know I mean I just feel like they just kind of take your word for it but a lot of the time you don't even really know yourself like yeah what's happening Whenever I went to the psychiatrist, I was on sertraline and it made my like jaw egg a bit. Like mm. it made me like grind my teeth and I Oh my like, god, yeah. yes, same. Yeah. So I went to the psychiatrist and I was like, like, is this normal? And he was like, Yeah, but you should never have to like settle for a medication. If there's a medication out there that can give you no side effects, you should find it and you shouldn't mm. settle for something that will give you side effects. So I'm on uh he put me on vortioxidine which isn't very like common it's mm. more like a psychiatrist would use it so a lot of gps aren't like familiar with it but right. i have like no side effects and it was kind of about like finding the right, right medication mm. because i think a lot of those medications do give you such bad side effects yeah. and like s- such difficulty and you just try to stick through it but whenever you shouldn't really yeah it's so true isn't it because you get kind of scared a little bit to think okay like yeah i might be getting a couple of side effects with this one but if i start another one is it going to be even worse or another you know it is quite daunting but i think like you say you should have that kind of mindset of like you shouldn't just be settling just because oh you know this is the first one i tried and it could be worse so you know it's not the end of the world but i'm still not feeling great on it but like you know yes just kind of carry on for the sake of it in a way you know i think it's good to sort of think you know there was so many medications out there that probably do similar things anyway like with all kind of ssris or the different types snris and there's a lot of different ones even in them categories so i think you know yeah don't settle with like something just because you think oh it it, that's it like it or i'm gonna have side effects with all of them and you just presume you're gonna have side effects with all of them when you might not obviously because now you're on something where you don't have side effects which is obviously great that you've you've found kind of something that's working for you well yeah and I think because like you're like balancing it up would I rather have like a bit of jaw egg or like anxiety you know and it's like well obviously you would rather have the jaw egg but if you can have neither then yeah, that's yeah. like even better isn't it it's so true the, the grinding your teeth thing is actually really interesting because i've never heard anyone i know a lot of people probably do have it but i've never actually had a conversation with anyone about being on sertraline and grinding <laughs> your teeth because i've never been a tooth grinder in my life i don't no. think not that i've been aware of anyway and i could tell like i don't know if anyone could hear anything in the night but i'd wake up in the morning and i could tell my mouth was like yeah tight. so sore yeah. yeah and sore and i could just tell that i'd been like clenching to like yeah last like the life of me during the night and it was just like bizarre um and yeah luckily it's not lasted the whole time but it's interesting that you said it because i just thought i've not heard anyone else actually mention it um yeah. which is really interesting and i remember i don't know if you did this but i remember whenever i first got the medication i did the like worst thing and look at all the side effects mm-hmm. you could possibly have with it so like those major side effects i was <laughs> like driving myself insane like reading the wee like leaflet in the tablets like oh my goodness it's scary it's scary yeah. isn't it because it's not it's not just minor you know what i mean like obviously when you read the minor side effects you can think okay a little bit of acid reflux a little bit of nausea which i mean to be honest i've actually had like problems with it. it's been kind of severe at times but they're like the minor side effects in kind of quotation marks and then 
like when yeah. you read when you read the major ones you're like oh my god like yeah. i do not want to be having seizures thank you like not no. at all and it, it's so yeah. it's so scary so i think that's the thing i think when gps sort of sometimes just like give them to you and just sort of throw them at you and i remember like when i got them the only side effect that the gp said was oh you know you might have like vivid dreams which i know a lot of people do um i've never really had like problems with like aroused sleep on it but i know obviously people do but that's the only one side effect he said is you know oh you might have vivid dreams and i thought right okay but like considering the list of side effects in that book i was like (laughs) oh my god like you could have warned me of like something else not yeah. just not, not just the vivid dream thing like I know that's like something but that's not like that's like nothing compared to maybe some of the other <laughs> things that can happen which is crazy one of the things I want to know is when you so with BPD was it something that you've ever had any kind of symptoms or experience with pre-university or did everything just start surfacing at university like what's your journey with that yeah um so basically in high school I was like kind of like introverted quite shy I had like a best friend that I had from like primary school like right through until like like fifth year I don't know what that is in England years because it's different right, in Northern so, Ireland but okay. yeah in like my GCSE year right, would have been. Yeah. and um then like I just never like fitted in I didn't feel like I fitted in I always felt like out of place and I had like a sister who like played like tennis for Northern Ireland who was like deputy head girl like all A stars at A level you know like the ideal person it's so Um, hard that isn't it that that comparison is just so difficult straight off the bat yeah and she had like all these friends and I just couldn't understand like why did nobody want to like be around me mm-hmm. um and then it ended up that the girl I was friends with I wasn't really into like you know going out and like meeting guys I went to an all-girls school yeah. um, and like they would go and go downtown on a Friday afternoon to meet the guys <laughs> and stuff honestly <laughs> and like I just wasn't into that and then when yeah. they started drinking and stuff I just wasn't into that because I was like much more like sporty kind of like mm-hmm. do my own thing and um, yeah like the friend I had for like years just kind of turned on me you know <sighs> like she would invite like our kind of group of friends out and be like make sure you don't invite Chloe like oh. and then she would like confront me like in front of like groups of people just about like nothing really and I remember like every day I would come home and just close my room door and just cry for the whole afternoon it's like awful, my parents isn't it? wouldn't even notice because yeah like I felt so alone and then I was in a relationship for like three years and it just wasn't a good relationship mm. like at all I was just so lonely that I would attach to anybody who would give me any sort of attention whether mm-hmm. it's like good attention or bad attention yeah um so whenever I went to Newcastle I was like oh thank goodness like a fresh start like mm. I'm like gonna be a new person like I'm gonna have all these friends and everything yeah and, like, I the first year of uni I loved like I found, same like, I loved it yeah loved it and like I find like the people like I got on with like had similar sense of humor like I had like badminton I played badminton for the uni I had like friends from that group and stuff and then I got into like a relationship at the end of first year Mm -hmm. and then start of second year I just like started noticing a decline in like my mental health so like um 
I moved into like a big house with like my girlfriends and yeah. um, my sister as well. Um, and so then, is your sister at Newcastle as well? Yeah. Oh, no, amazing. She just, yeah, she just graduated. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. How exciting. That's so nice. You could live together as well. I know. Well, like, I was so against going to Newcastle because she would be there. But, <laughs> like, whenever I went to the interview, I just loved it so much. Like, I was like, I have to go here, like, yeah. even though she's going to be there. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I lived with all them and, like, I had this boyfriend and I just, like, noticed, like, on night out if like you know I was at the bar getting a drink and like they would you know disappear into the crowds like you do on a night out and I would be like just I would have to go outside and I would just like cry being like oh my goodness they've left me like they don't want to be around me like why aren't they like wanting to hang out with me and I would like take myself home and like even in my relationship I would like always be almost like don't want like someone to leave me and, yeah like, just, like I just always wanted to impress people so if like one of my friends were having a bad day I was like right I need to go into town buy them a cake like get yeah. them wine. oh my god you know? yeah this yeah. relates to me a little bit actually some of these <laughs> things because I get you on like nights out and things if people like you know leave, like just leave it and obviously they're not doing it with, like anything malicious like there's nothing probably malicious yeah. in it but you just think like everyone hates me like no one wants to be with me I should be by myself like no one cares like just literally like what am I even doing here like what is the point like you just feel like you're just literally like a like a like I just like a ghost you know what I mean like you're just literally there but no one cares it's horrible I know and like I would just go over and above like to you know make people like want to be around me Mm. you know and I like put myself in like you know situations where I would have never done before just to make people like like me I guess yeah um which like wasn't like me because I was quite introverted in high school and then um well my like relationship ended and um I just kind of like spiraled from there so I was just kind of like then yeah then I started having like self-harming thoughts mm-hmm. um and suicidal thoughts but like to me it wasn't like I was thinking about it for like days and days and like yeah. planning it mm-hmm. it was more like in that instant it's like yeah. someone said would say something to me and I would just go off on one like I would put like usually it would be nighttime would be my like trigger time yeah. So if someone said, oh, like, Chloe, listen, I can't go out for, like, dinner tonight, I would be like, well, they obviously don't want to be with be me. With they don't want to, like, spend time with me or be friends with me. Like, you know, there's no point in me being here. And I would just, like, put my shoes on and just, like, leave the house. Yeah. And I would just, like, no thought of returning or anything. Yeah. And, like, but that shouldn't be how you feel, you know? I know. It's absolutely hideous. It's, like, one of those... I've- it's interesting to me because I kind of felt the same that like it wasn't it was always very um I don't want to say the word impulsive but it kind of was in a sense of like yeah. it wasn't like you say it wasn't a, a thought that I had for like you know days on end or a week on end or thinking it wasn't even for me really a lot of the time obviously I know for you it could be different but for me it wasn't a thought of like I want to die for me it was very like I cannot carry on like this which are two very, yeah. very diff- different thoughts it wasn't like I didn't ever really sit there and think oh like I just 
need to die right now or it wasn't any of these things it was just for me like i was just so emotionally exhausted and kind of i was just sick of myself quite honestly that like and it felt like no one cared around me or like no one was really there so i just felt like it wouldn't really affect anybody like it just wouldn't i just felt like it would be so easy for me to do with no one really being that bothered or like that aware of it um which obviously like that's not how i see it now but like that in that moment in time that's how i would and then the next day i'd be sort of okay again not okay that's not really the right way to put it but the next day i wouldn't wake up still feeling that way anyway yeah. I, w- I would feel different like i wouldn't feel i'd yeah. still be depressed as such but i wouldn't be that level of severity so it's interesting for you if it wasn't like maybe a kind of active thing again or maybe it was but just in that one moment and then obviously maybe the next day you you sort of were a bit more you again yeah. to a certain capacity i don't know yeah um like it kind of was weird because the next day yeah I would be like almost just emotionally and physically drained from the mm-hmm. night before but like it would almost be like oh it never happened yeah. and I find like you know I give so much credit to like the friends I had around me then and mm-hmm. like the like the guys I was seeing and my sister and my family because the amount of stress they must have been put under you know yeah. every day like if they heard late at night my door opening and closing like yeah. what is she going to do and that like what is she up to now mm. um and I think like I didn't understand it because I didn't think anybody like wanted me there and like cared enough about me but it's only now like stepping back and reflecting on it they Realize. actually cared so much yeah and yeah they didn't know how to help it's so true isn't it It, it, was your your sister aware of like the whole thing from kind of the beginning or was it something she sort of kind of found out as time went on or what was that like yeah like I didn't really tell my sister until like the like Christmas of second year Mm. um like where I noticed a change but like me and my sister were so close I just didn't know how to like approach the subject and I was almost like in denial Mm. about it all and like just didn't want it just thought that it'll it'll flip flip around and you know it'll go away yeah um and then I remember like sitting in my living room in my house and um like all the girls we were just having girl chat and like Mm. they were saying oh like what's one thing you like about yourself and I like they were all saying oh like I like my bum or I like (laughs) my teeth or something (laughs) I was sat there like we I was so confused because I was like we people actually like something about themselves they actually like something like personality or about their looks I just yeah. couldn't believe that actually people liked that something, something about... about themselves mm. um, and I think that's when it, like especially I noticed like I because I had such a poor self-image and yeah. like I just was like I'm so ugly like I never really made an effort with my looks anyway like I don't wear makeup very often or anything (laughs) but like still I just had such a poor self-image yeah Um, and that was another major thing that like kind of links with BPD which Mm. um I think a lot of people see BPD it can go either like two one of two ways like you can either get like oh like I love myself like I'm so good looking you know I'm really fit and everything Mm. or you can say I'm like 
horrendous looking like i hate everything about the way i look so some people very... so some people with bpd would be like that opposite in the sense of thinking like you know i'm amazing like would be like an inflated self-esteem yeah. like so kind of like either an inflated self-esteem or like no self-esteem like kind yeah. of one or the other that's kind of interesting i never knew that yeah no um and like because it's like so unstable your like views about yourself mm. then that like one thing can change everything in your life like I would go into the house and say oh hi how are you and like someone wouldn't hear me and I would be like oh my goodness why like why are they not responding like what like what have I done now like what what's happened like do they not want me in this house like and I would just go up to my room and like completely overthink things Mm, and like really affect your life in a way but just like such a small like one small kind of incident but it would like really kind of affects your like life for like a couple of I don't even know if it'd be something you would sort of think about for days or like I don't know you know yeah yeah and then like I was in a relationship with someone on my course in Mm. my um third year yeah and um I it was just very unstable and like he was kind of like a joker you know yeah and it took the piss out of people and like I couldn't understand like sometimes like him and his friends would make fun of me like crying on the night out whenever you know alcohol is such like a big trigger for people and for me it was such a big trigger you know anytime I drank I would just like flip Mm -hmm. and usually that was like impulsive moments where I would take myself to a bridge or like grab a knife in the house you know like those are the moments that like I found myself alcohol is like, really difficult i think yeah. someone who's been through mental health problems and then ends up drinking not necessarily you know a matter of for me it never was like a thing of i know a lot of people who are depressed and stuff will turn to drink and kind of use it as a crutch for me it wasn't like a thing that i started drinking more it was well if anything i was drinking a lot less but it because i wasn't going on these nights out as much yeah. and put, putting myself in them situations but when i did like the rarities that i actually did it never ended well like it really was a trigger yeah. in many ways and i think it can probably go either way in terms of making you more erratic making you more impulsive making you more depressed like no matter which way it goes but i think for people with mental health problems like it usually probably won't end well a lot of the time with alcohol um and it's a shame because i know how i used to be with it and in like first yeah. year it didn't affect me in a negative way i mean obviously if you're gonna drink too much it will but it never had like a negative effect on like my life or like it just was like a social thing and i you know enjoyed yeah doing it for that reason on going on nights out in first year and things but then for the last year i've really had to just be like that isn't for me now and if possible if possibly ever again to be honest or definitely not for the foreseeable kind of future so it's something that isn't necessarily worth it and it's hard to kind of give up for the social side of things but um it's that's why uni probably makes that kind of situation harder as well where we probably found ourselves in these sort of situations maybe where if we weren't at uni we might have not have been in them situations because we wouldn't have been going on like nights out and drinking involved and things like that yeah I think like whenever you hear I've like talked a lot to like different people and they share like experience of like family members who've like committed suicide mm. and almost all of them are like alcohol induced mm. like a lot of them they were like drinking that yeah. night when yeah. they decided to end it all and it's so heartbreaking that that like one drink can make yeah. you just completely end everything yeah you know and, and, it, co- so and it becomes sad. more of an impulsive thing rather than something yeah. that maybe has 
had, like you know wasn't maybe something that has been properly thought out or anything like that i know for some people it would be different but for some people maybe you know it's not something that's been thought about really at all and then as soon as that drink gets involved and it becomes an impulsive thing then you know it's yeah. so it's so scary that like that is how a lot of it ends and it's because of maybe just that one individual night and the day before that wouldn't have even been like a thought necessarily um it's really kind of scary isn't it how it can impact your mood so much yeah no and I think also like on the like point of talking to people more I think recently because I'm so open you know if anybody asked me oh like what was your experience with mental health I think you're the same you would be so open about it yeah and I always said like if I can save one person by telling like sharing everybody my story like that's literally the best mm-hmm. thing that could possibly come out of this it makes and it I think, so worth it doesn't yeah it? and I think like from this I've had so many people contact me like close friends that I would have never ever thought that would have like a mental health problem who would always like appear happy which I guess is what I was like and what Mm. how they thought they were probably very shocked whenever I left uni yeah Um, and like hearing them and they're saying oh like I just couldn't tell anybody like I didn't want to tell anybody like you're the only person I've told it's like so heartbreaking and it's Mm. I think it's it's lovely to be able to share your story and be like open about it but like there are so many people who struggle with it alone and aren't able to talk about it openly and it's so sad yeah i think that's the thing like it's same as me same like your experience same as mine in that in like with our new instagrams like people just you know whether it's strangers or not strangers but reaching out and just literally you know bearing all and you're just thinking you know it's incredible because like i wouldn't have even been able to have done that like a year ago like even if it was messaging somebody like on instagram like who i sort of knew maybe had had problems like i didn't even take that step to like reach out to someone in that way so the fact they're even doing that is amazing and obviously if we can just share our kind of experience and, and somehow that can help them to either you know maybe find a certain treatment for example or just to feel more comfortable in the sense that they can relate yeah. to somebody is just amazing yeah. so I think it's so kind of positive in that way what we're doing I think it's yeah it's hard it's, it's, I still find it hard sometimes to kind of open up fully and be like yeah. you know say everything I suppose it depends what people want to know but it's um I think I feel like you know I don't know about you but I feel like I'm still sort of navigating it as I go and sort of still learning a lot as oh, I go yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely not recovered or I'm not just you know the same person as what I was which I don't think I ever will be but I don't you know yeah. when, when I was kind of in the process of being like the most ill I think it's I always say that like I sort of just long to be the person that I used to be and kind of thought like I just want to be the the girl that I was in college or the girl that I was in like first year where I was just loving life and everything was all calm and chill and then now though I'm kind of happier with who I am now than like who I ever was which is kind of a nice place to be in that I still know I'm not kind of completely okay mentally but I still am happier with myself as like a person because I know at least I'm being me if that makes sense and I'm not putting on this front in a way so how are you kind of finding it now in the sense of like do you still think you know you've got a lot to kind of work on or is a lot of things that you still don't really know or you know what's kind of your journey forward yeah I think like I because I know kind of like my triggers and everything I like going back to uni is obviously such a big thing to me so like I'm just gonna have to take it day by day at uni and have like a great support network and like one thing I find like extremely hard coming back home is yeah I have like an amazing family and I have like one friend who was luckily 
had just finished uni and she's at home too Gosh. and she kind of went through like problems with mental health like anxiety and stuff this year so we really helped each other and we went on holidays and stuff oh, and it nice. was amazing to have but I find my biggest problem and my biggest difficulty to like understand was whenever like people had completely distanced themselves to me from me yeah. because of my mental health issue and like I think it's such a big thing you know you do have to look after your own mental health so I think it's easy for me to say oh I don't understand that but like it would be so difficult for me to watch someone I'm so close to go through such a difficult time and it not affect me mentally yeah and I think because like if even I didn't have an understanding of what I was going through how were they supposed to even have an understanding that's Um, true so it took me like a long time to like be comfortable and happy in myself and like enjoy it was just so nice to enjoy time on my own again Mm. and like be happy in my own company that's so true being comfortable like with yourself and like your own company is quite a difficult thing to do actually like I think people again kind of underestimate that like you actually just being in your pure kind of own company and like can you be okay with that like without having to have like anybody else's validation or nobody else's reassurance or any of those things and being able to like provide yourself with that and kind of be confident in that it's quite a skill actually I feel like that needs work and did you yeah. find did you find that generally then that kind of like some of your friends or kind of yeah generally anyone in your life like did j- properly just dis- like distance themselves from you because of your condition do you think or do you think it was more just the fact that like they just were kind of scared in the sense that they didn't know how to deal with it and then kind of just distanced for that reason or like what did you um, I think it was well at the start it kind of in September you know it was very like distressing for everybody because like it was a like a dental society like night out and it was at the first pub and I saw my sister and my ex sat together talking oh. and I was like you know because because of BPD you're so like you like care about loyalty and care about like yeah. people just being loyal to you or you'll distance it like you would distance yourself from someone who you feel is like not like reciprocating Um, and seeing that I was just heartbroken and like I was just so angry at my sister and then I just took myself to a bridge and I was literally like about to climb over and they grabbed me back off it and like I remember I don't remember much because I think you may be the same but whenever you go into those like that mindset mm-hmm. and like suicidal and everything you just want to forget it the next day yeah. Yeah. and I think that was so hard for like my friends to understand because I couldn't talk about something that had happened the night before mm-hmm. like the next day because I didn't know what had happened yeah it's like I kind of felt the same I felt like one I just didn't want to speak about it end of because I just thought I just don't even want to rehash it and pretend literally just it's easier to pretend that it didn't happen so an element of that I think also the fact that I like you say probably just didn't even remember some of it not the sense that like oh I was so drunk or I was so this but it's like you're just so mentally like distraught it's like I can't explain it it is like exhausting but you just genuinely do forget some of it like and it's not necessarily because I think people think when you say that like you must have been like drunk as anything and kind of like absolutely like you know obliterated with alcohol and like just not even you know couldn't put a sentence together or couldn't stand up which isn't the case it's just like because it's so mentally exhausting like 
overwhelming you do just genuinely forget bits and yeah. don't even know like how it happened anyway like you just don't even know what the thought processes were or like how it all led up to that severity um yeah. and yeah and I feel like even now since I've definitely found it hard sometimes like I I don't it's not I, don't, I can talk about it but I think it's hard because I don't want to make myself relive it so part of me is like do I need to go back and talk about it yeah. is it is it really going to change anything or is it you know it's not going to bring anything to my life by me re- rehashing it but yeah. then at the, at the same time I don't like people thinking that I'm like in denial to the fact that it happened either and that it's not yeah. it wasn't severe if that makes sense because obviously I know still full well that it's like hideous and that it was absolutely like awful and especially for the people around me as well um and with the dental school I found that hard as well because obviously they were probably thinking why is she kind of pretending this is like maybe semi-okay or like normal and obviously I knew full well it wasn't and I still knew deep down like how severe it was but I just couldn't really bring myself to like acknowledge it It it's like I just wanted to literally just move on and like detach from it and they were probably just thinking like how that is kind of maybe a little bit unprofessional and like they could see it like that in the sense of like how can she just like that have happened like three days ago and then she just like think it's kind of okay now to a certain degree and it's really hard to kind of get your head around yeah I could imagine like for people who are like watching me go through it that it can be so confusing and be like well why is she not wanting to like confront this issue and like see what's going on and but like after that had happened I was just so embarrassed and literally the next day at like 7am I woke up I booked a flight and I literally went I didn't say bye to anybody didn't say bye to my sisters bye to my friends I literally just was like I cannot ever like show my face about the place again because Mm. like I'm so embarrassed and like I just don't have the energy to ever have to deal with this again Um, and it was literally the best decision even though it took me like a few months to like be comfortable and happy with my decision yeah but like it was such I'm so glad I did it did it was that the point then was that that moment where then that became your leave of absence at that point so you left and then didn't go back basically yeah like the first I went I did the first two weeks of fourth year and then that weekend of the second week it just kind of all went wrong but the first two weeks I was doing so good like I was just you know I was like getting on well with my house and like you know I was doing yeah I was just doing well myself and then you know things just like flip and nobody could have like said that that would happen Um, and it was just like a difficult time for everybody I think and like because I didn't have an actual conversation with the uni I just had to phone them on Monday and be like listen I'm not coming back yeah like that's me Um. And it took a lot of like back and forth. Like I remember, I had my first appointment with like my psychotherapist, and like you, you're quite drained after those appointments. Yeah, it um, is exhausting, isn't it? Emotionally yeah, exhausting. Yeah, and like I remember getting an email being like, "Oh well, like Queens, like Queens can't take you, like the uni can't take you." And I was so like upset because my mind was so set on going there yeah. and just like finishing with new people, like no like just keeping my head down and like I remember getting in my car like crying hysterically and like I started driving and I literally like like went to turn out of like the driveway and like I just whacked into the curb and like that kind of like shook me it was kind of like because it could have been so much worse yeah but like 
it just kind of I think those like impulsive behaviors are quite like common with BPD you know you just literally don't know what to do and you'll do anything like yeah it's so like instantaneous isn't it it literally just happens and it's like you don't even really know that you like thought about doing it it's just so like and you obviously are reacting to something but it's like so kind of yeah it's not properly thought out maybe in the way that like you know other people would think that it would be it's just kind of like a reaction to something so quickly in a way and then obviously is it sometimes one of those things where then you might obviously react in a certain way and would you ever like regret it like it's something that you sort of know straight away like i regret that situation or yeah no literally like every time something happens I would just like feel so awful about it and regret it so much and that's not that's not nice I do that it's not nice to live with that either is it having to live with feelings of like guilt and regret and it's like not even your fault like that's the illness like presenting itself but then you having to feel like responsible for those actions and feel like maybe like you should have been in control of that or should have been able to have done something to like for that to not happen but obviously like that isn't the case the amount of apology texts I begged mm. for people close to me mm. was an absolute joke. But I just like, I just felt like I had to do something. Like it was almost like because my relationships with people were so like unstable because of like the BPD. Like I didn't like I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't understand like my relationships with anybody, friends, family, like boyfriends. Yeah. I just could not get my head around it and that's why like the psychotherapies helped me so much because I now I'm able to understand why like a person may feel like this or do a certain thing or like act in a certain way and it's made me like understand get more get more kind of clarity on it a little bit more rather than everything it seems so like confusing and like there's no kind of like you just don't know like the answer to anything it's just so kind of up and down I think what's difficult as well like the fact that you actually got through like you know two what's your first year maybe if you were kind of more okay but then to get through like second and third year of uni and dental school especially like with those symptoms like was that just like the most (laughs) oh my god like was your attendance like was your attendance generally okay or like how did you even find that process well I my tutor unfortunately at uni I just never clicked with mm. um so I never really visited her and then I got she went off maternity leave and then I got a new one who wasn't like clinical he was like our right. dental material next year lecture and I was like oh like I just don't want to talk to a person like that mm. um and but my attendance was like so good I loved clinic like I loved being around people like I loved going to my lectures and stuff Mm. but like I remember some days whenever I didn't have like a patient I would go into clinic and my eyes were so puffy from like Mm. being crying the night before and you know I don't know if you have like TikTok or something but like (laughs) you know the like there's a thing on it and it's like a person crying and it's like oh I'm not crying it's just allergies that was literally me every day it's 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 hay fever like literally Tracy Beaker like it's all hay fever (laughs) like in December oh it's just hay fever like (laughs) It's just a disaster. <laughs> I totally feel you on that. Like literally, just being a hysterical, emotional mess. Like the night before, not being able to get to sleep. Like roaming around Sheffield at like eleven or twelve at night. Like just not knowing what to do with myself. And then yeah. literally being on clinic the next day. Which the thing is, I can understand. Like a lot of people would think that's like very unsafe. Or like you know, if you're doing that, like you're not mentally well enough to be on clinic. But the thing was, it was very hard to kind of explain because like I knew I was like actually not 
a jeopardy to anyone in that sense like I would yeah. never I would never no. jeopardize like I would never if I ever knew that like I, even in that kind of state and like me obviously not being that well but if I ever knew that like that was going to affect a patient in a kind of negative way or me on clinic or there was an element of like a safety issue I would never put myself on there and I think that was also yeah. quite hard to explain because I can see to like how external people would obviously think yeah. like that's not responsible like if you're in that much of a state the night before but like what are you supposed to do you know what I mean I never like really knew like did I really ever handle that that well or like should I not have been there on those days where my eyes were like red still and obviously like people probably didn't actually know, like you definitely been crying but maybe they didn't yeah. I, don't, I don't know but like I'd obviously try I, don't, I think I've had it pretty well but like it, it I don't know you, you sort of think you know is that like professionally responsible like is it not I think that's really hard with dentistry to sort of know like what you should be doing and what you shouldn't in a way and yeah like I think that's why like I'm so like actively trying to like I think you know in kids in pediatric dentistry you're taught or like prevention is key and like even with adult patients prevention is key and I always think why why are they not like talking about like mental health in that way like why is prevention not key in that that's so true we had a lecture um, on mental health and I was like, thank goodness they're finally doing something. This was like my the end of third year. Yeah. I was like, thank goodness they're finally doing something. And all I ended up having to leave the lecture and just cry in the toilets because oh. all they wanted to talk about were exam stresses. Oh my I God. Like, <laughs> I was like, but there's so many more stresses to university life than just oh, exams. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, and that's what I hate as well when people like all the university students and stuff and like, will blame it on like, oh, you know, the course is so stressful and all this. And obviously like, I understand the course is very stressful, but like, yeah. I, I, I didn't have like mental health problems in first year. I didn't have mental health problems in second year. So obviously I understand the course might like have a play on things in the, in the sense like yes it is stressful and you've got like a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of things that yeah you know might not help in a way with someone's like mental health or self-esteem and getting criticized a lot and kind of feedback and things like that but at the same time like I know that it wasn't like just because of bds that i've like got the problems that i've got if that makes sense and i feel like they just sort of think like oh you know like that means the course might not be for you because you've like you're struggling with it and like you're obviously really stressed out like the course is stressful like you can't hack it or whatever and i just think like that isn't the reason that I'm ill. Like, that's not the only reason. So it, I think it's really hard, like, for them to see that. Sometimes they just think, like, the worst thing you've got to deal about, like, deal with is just worrying about BDS the whole time. And like you say, exam stress, when actually, like, people have yeah. got a lot more problems than yeah. just exam stress. Like what like we all wish that we, like we, we all wish that like exam stress was the worst thing we had to deal with. Yeah. But like, it's really not. So like, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's like difficult for like, university staff to understand as well because you know when they were at university I know this is a like a typical saying but like times have changed as well and like I know mental health was still there but there's so many more like social aspects to university than there probably was like a few years ago um and yeah I think like it just needs to be implemented a bit better in like dental schools like across across the board like I know there was like something like 15 to 20 of my year and third year who took a leave of absence see that that is unbelievable to me because I feel like in ours you know it's not even like that that's probably why I felt more kind of like it is just me because I I I mean there's probably been one or two but like I'm not even that I've been aware of like that are maybe mental health related or not even but to to hear that in the sense of like you know 15 to 20 people out of like 90 it's just like yeah 
Oh my god. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. So many more people had access to like student wellbeing services. But like I think they just need to like focus more on like prevention and like resilience workshops and like teaching people not only how to deal with their mental health but like so many people have to deal with other people's mental health like my friends and my sister had to deal with like my mental health and how do you cope with that that? i know i think that gets underestimated too doesn't it because i I agree like the girls in my house like the five of them and i just think like they i'm sure like i know i even feel like at times like the support i've had maybe lacked a little bit but never mind them guys like i feel like you know no one would have ever reached out to them i don't think ever so it's only if like they'd ever gone to speak to like their personal tutor about it themselves or something but like you know they kind of get forgotten about the process sometimes but it's like so difficult for them as well like how do they navigate that or like know what to say what not to say like what could trigger someone what might not and like all of these questions and like constantly having to like be on not watch but you know maybe like on edge kind of thing constantly it's not nice at all is it no no not at all and like I think that's why they need to just implement it a bit better in dental school because like going through this and taking this year has literally taught me skills for life yeah and like things like like a few lectures on resilience and mental health and how to help people people's mental health can like literally do so much good and like the whole life like I you know you approach patients and you have patients who have dealt with mental health problems like nobody knows really how to deal with that unless you've gone through it yeah like and I think that's why they need to you know start like getting speakers in like Mm -hmm. And it's hard, like, it, I know it's so hard for them because they have so much stuff to cover. I know, but I it's think so important, it's, isn't it? It's yeah, literally, it's literally like, a life skill. A hundred percent, I think, because, like, we had, like, so far, maybe, like, two lectures on psychiatry, but from a patient point of view in terms of, like, just psychiatric medications and, like, side effects and things. But even that, like, we've never been taught, you know, how to manage a patient with a certain mental health condition or what that might mean in terms of, like, their appointment. Like, is there any kind of modifications you'd have to make or anything you should consider in that kind of way, yeah. like, on, on clinic? And that's why I love your post on Instagram because, like, you've had, like, a bit of a dental consideration with some of them. I found that really interesting, like, how patients might present or how you might be aware of them having, like, OCD, for example, but, like, in a dental setting and how that can, like, affect their appointment in a way, which was super interesting. Yeah, see, whenever I started, like, the Instagram, I didn't really know. Like, I started it, like, last September and I didn't follow anybody I knew. Like, I blocked anybody I knew who followed me because I just wanted it for myself and, like, my own journey. And then I, like, kind of rebooted it, um, like, recently. And at the start, it was just kind of, like, educating people. Um, And then I started, like, looking more into, like, different, like, mental problems, I guess, and disorders. Mm -hmm. And like notice how like common it, it like it is in dental practices that you can come across these people who mm-hmm. have like OCD or bipolar or BPD and like how you have to manage those patients you know like yeah. OCD like you have to make sure you wash your hands in front of them like mm-hmm. make sure everything's clean like laid out well you have to know their triggers you know you wouldn't know this i know you've done the research it's so true i feel like if i was on clinic and like someone was just like you know like if they take a set of medication they say you know yeah i'm taking it for ocd i think i'd just be like okay like move on you know i mean i just don't think you'd even think like what what can i be doing that could make a difference to this person in this appointment or make them feel more comfortable or make them feel like you actually do understand 
understand or trying to understand or again like it, you know every patient will probably react differently as well and like would some kind of want to talk about it a little bit or like you know for you to kind of be more kind of conscious of it or would some people rather like you, that's like you know you don't say anything or nothing's really different maybe and it's just like you know how it would be the appointment for anybody else and I think yeah it's really interesting how like you know these things are common so it's like if we're learning how to deal with like other kind of medical problems and how that might implicate someone's kind of dental appointment or like their kind of interaction with you as a dentist like why are we not learning about like the psychiatric conditions that they might have and like how we should manage them in the best way we can I think like PTSD was like a big one for me because I think if like someone came in last year and said I have PTSD I would be like what am I supposed to do because you know there's so many triggers they can possibly have for PTSD Mm -hmm. and like such a wide range of symptoms and like being able to understand what questions to ask them how to act Mm -hmm. you know like the dental drill can be such big trigger for people with PTSD and you don't know what can happen like I wouldn't have had a clue what could happen no and that's the thing and like most of us like 99% of us in probably a year group have no idea like literally no no idea and it's never been spoken about and like you say like the noise of the drill or lying flat or just a loud noise in general or the aspirator or any like you know they could have like a trigger to one specific thing and like how are you if you don't ask them questions like how are you meant to know and then obviously like you don't want them to have like the most negative experience ever or to be triggering something off or you know obviously causing them harm in any way but like if you don't know these things or don't know what to ask or kind of how to word it or you know it's just really difficult I think because people feel so uncomfortable around it like they just avoid it they avoid it altogether which obviously I can understand why but it's not particularly helpful either but I think that's why I just like trying to improve education on it as much as possible and make people feel more comfortable that they know slightly how they could approach it that would just help so much and I think because like you are so close to your patients because you spend a lot of time with them, they do really open up. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're the only person, the only like pet, like contact they have in a week, and they're the, you're the only person they talk to in a whole week. And they do really open up to you. I find mm-hmm. that like just in the one year of like working with patients, they Very just true. open up to you. Um and yeah I think it's so important to be able to like understand how they feel it's so true yeah I remember like I had this patient and she was on I think she was on search you know fluoxetine but she's been on it for such a long time like maybe 30 years or something um and she'd been on it for a long time and she was kind of telling me a bit of a backstory and you know a bit about her relationships with the family and things like that and I remember like at the end like when you know she'd gone and everything and she's lovely and then I was speaking to like our tutor and stuff at the end and I think we were just talking about like the medication she was on and like potential kind of effects and like side effects and things and then like we mentioned the search for you know the fluoxetine and you know the tutor was kind of like oh you know like these people just become you know so de- like dependent on medication and like they, you know when it gets to this point like I, I don't think they really like need it at this point like it's just like a crutch like because they've been on it for so long and I just thought like it's so ignorant like you just you're yeah. not even like you don't you're not even spoke to that pa- like you don't even know that patient like you've not even been there when we've had a conversation so you don't know anything that's gone on in their whole life like you have no idea why they're actually taking it like what the reasons if they're taking it like obviously if they're on it for 30 40 years then like so what like who are you to judge that situation and especially you don't even know any of like the reasons behind yeah. it and i just find that really ignorant as well like when people just like oh you know that's just like so like just dependent
wasn't on it like it's just obviously at that point like a crutch like no one needs to be on it for 30 years like da, 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 da. and yeah. it's like you don't like it, even that it just riles me up because i'm just like you're all like a tutor yeah. who's been like in the profession for so long like how can you not be like a little bit more empathetic you know what i mean to like a patient or whoever yeah. um and especially obviously she's talk, she talking to me and i'm on it as well but i she didn't even know i'm on it and i'm thinking like yeah. hello like i'm <laughs> i'm on search team too like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i remember i was like on oral surgery and i had a patient as well who like was alcohol dependent and i just had no clue what to do because like you're never taught this you know he was no. like they were shaking and oh. like how like what language can you use towards them like you I wouldn't have known really because I was quite I didn't really understand very many like mental health problems and like alcohol dependency is a big one as well Mm. and like you know they would get angry or like you know after you extract a tooth you can't drink for 24 hours Mm. I'm trying to explain this to him that's so like yeah i wouldn't um, think about that actually i wouldn't have thought about that thinking about you know not being able to have a drink for the 24 hours and you know how they might react to that it's just that's the thing it's like even i've had one on oral surgery as well with a young kind of girl probably similar to our age with bipolar and it was really and she was so open about it she was kind of very similar to us in that way like just very kind of chatty and speaking about her experiences and like with the medication she was taking and it's just like that's the thing you just think it's not like we don't come across it even as students like it's not like oh we're sheltered from like obviously why would we be sheltered like it's such a big part of like life and that's people's lives and experiences but like you know it's not like the dental school are kind of fully aware like oh we don't treat people with mental illnesses because i mean obviously that'd be like discrimination anyway but like yeah. you know it's not like oh they kind of know for a fact we're not dealing with it so that's why we're not teaching it like we are dealing with it and like we yeah. are gonna we are gonna see it so like you know it needs to be kind of thought about a bit more i think in the training and just sort of yeah, um, a bit more time dedicated to it in a way which is like yeah it's it's difficult so i'm definitely gonna try and work on that when i get back in september and sort of try yeah. and like implement as much as possible at sheffield yeah that's and like that's another part of my instagram is like getting people to share their stories because everybody has a different story to share mm-hmm. and like some people may want, not want to talk about their personal story but like have something they're passionate about mental health and Definitely. want to talk about that and get that out and it's just so amazing like being able to read different people's experiences with it all it's so true isn't it because i find that really fascinating the fact that obviously everybody like you know a lot of people might have like bpd or you know so many people with depression but like everyone's individual experience still with that condition like i'm sure there's things like we can all kind of relate on but like it's still gonna be different and like everyone's sort of yeah like reasons maybe behind things and their kind of you know treatment methods or the medications they've been on like everything is still different like their experiences so i find it so interesting even just like hearing the slight variations of like how people have gone around things and how it's affected yeah, them it's amazing. it is isn't it i feel like with uni in general like it is such a hard place to navigate like you know anytime it's going to be difficult to navigate mental health problems and if you're working full-time and things i think uni is a difficult place because of like the show the social side of it and feeling like you know making friends like you want to fit in and all yeah. of these things and i think that's something obviously t- with taking leave of absence as well is kind of um 
sort of not thought about sometimes like that you know people are gonna have to restart a new year or even kind of start again and when sometimes you're not in the most like mentally kind of you know the best place ever like it is really hard so i'm obviously hoping for you that like you know you're in a good place yeah, now like a lot crossed. better and, yeah and that's the like, i suppose like what you know it's just about being positive isn't it let you just like yeah. you're more confident in who you are and like that's amazing so i think you know there's no reason why it'd be a problem and in a way as well it's been quite nice to get like really close to like a new year group and then obviously have the year above that like we are still really close yeah. to as well so it's quite nice having the two year groups that like we are closer with in a way and then like mm. know a I'm bit just better excited i'm excited to get back are you excited to get back going yeah, yeah. Same, same in a way it's like parts of me are nervous to get back to sheffield i think how do you feel about that because like with sheffield for me i know that like even though i love it as a city but i think because obviously so much has happened there like i do mm. still have like the odd negative i need to try and work on that i don't know how i'm gonna work on that but yeah. i definitely still have like negative associations a little bit with it and find it quite hard to like yeah forget in a way like what's happened like i find yeah. myself reliving things a little bit like do you think that that's like a worry for you um well i've visited newcastle like twice this like this year i to see my sister and stuff and like catch mm. up with friends um like i've got like a lovely new flat like i'm so excited to That's move nice. in like brand new refurb flat i'm oh, so excited heaven. for that i'm so jealous yeah. i'm so like, <laughs> i'm in a grotty student house and you'll oh be like goodness. living it off in this yeah i would literally nice will <laughs> yeah i like i just i don't know i like my sister's going to liverpool that's where she's doing her like dft i'm not sure what i think it's right called that. Yeah. yeah so she's in liverpool so oh, amazing I'm going to be able to go visit there oh it's got, so like, friends in edinburgh like can come home like i'm just kind of thinking yeah, very positive that's really nice it. it's nice in that way it's a good way to think about it in the sense that like at the end of the day like if you know obviously like we still want to try and be as happy as we can in that city anyway but like at least we've got that opportunity to be able to like go elsewhere and like yeah. on weekend like just explore other places and like go to liverpool go to this place you know i mean go yeah. home for the weekend like you've still got other options to kind of get out of there and still have that break in a way but like it's just kind yeah. of yeah it's still getting out it's so nice that your sister's doing it as well because i never knew that you know, know. it's so oh so goodness. nice get all yeah. get all the tips along the way like seriously i know no it's great like she's been just sending me loads of like um all of her notes and everything oh, and, like, this is great that is so i mean heaven. i don't need it for two years but mm. it'll do that's it's <laughs> so nice it. my brother like i swear like he's so annoying in the sense that like if i just ask for any help he's just like oh he's so like grunty <laughs> about it and i'm just like I'm so over it i'm like there's no point me even asking for help so yeah. it's, it's low-key a bit annoying because i think people are like oh yeah like you know buzzing like he can help you like amazing but it's like no he's just not he's just oh, not no. helpful unfortunately <laughs> but you know at least at least i can still see like his path and sort of get an idea of like what to do to a certain degree but um in terms of sharing yeah, it was green in first year like i would like if i forgot to do seminar work i would literally just go into the eva's files that she had given me and just be like what seminar is it and then bring it in like acting like i just completed it that is amazing <laughs> don't so, do that though yeah, don't, don't, don't recommend but it, it worked oh it's so amazing like what what would you say with like bpd like i just want what i kind of know if you had to summarize it in a sense of like if someone was like like obviously me being a complete kind of like not the most educated on it whatsoever but if someone was literally like what is BPD or like what symptoms should you be looking out for? Like what to do or like what you think the kind of maybe right, not right things to do. So I know everyone's journey is like different, but what sort of treatments like do you think have worked for you that other people should look out for and things like that? Yeah. So like with BPD, I think um, 
there's a book that I had like messaged you about, so I think you're adding that to the link or, or like the bio or something. Mm. Um, but it's called um I hate you uh don't leave me, which is quite like summarizes it really well. I think because you can feel so angry about what someone's done to you, but you just don't want them to like leave you and don't want to be on your own mm. I think like that was such a mean thing like I had people who like treated me so badly but I just didn't want them to like leave me on, on my own mm. um and I think for me um a big thing with BPD was like the suicidal um like impulsivity yeah. I guess um relationships you know I had such unstable relationships um really like poor self-image like emotional swings so like one thing could just send me like into an absolute rage and also like kind of just feeling empty and lost and didn't know who I was as a person anymore yeah and I think um yeah I think for me I'm doing DBT with a psychotherapist and just kind of like trying to understand my relationships with family friends like people in general more I think that's really helped um, yeah. but everybody has different experiences and has different things they need to work on and um, like different skills they need to develop um, and I think it's kind of just finding the right person to mm. treat you I think it's with all mental um, yeah. health issues just finding the right person who has the right diagnosis and has the right treatment plan for you is the biggest yeah thing it's me. so true isn't it like the psychi the psychotherapist you're seeing now is that through the private sector or was that kind of through the nhs still or which way did that go um, well i saw a psychologist through the nhs no a psychiatrist through the nhs and then the psychotherapist because the waiting list was so long i just I just do it privately, so I just pay right. for my appointments. Right. Um, it's, yeah. And I understand, like, my heart goes out to people who can't, don't have the funds to pay for that and have to wait so long. I know. Like, I'm so lucky my parents can help me on, like, the money aspect. Yeah. Um, like, having to wait that long it's so imagine. difficult yeah. yeah it's so hard because things just progress don't they and it's so that's why it's so yeah. hard like that's why like what you say about prevention is key because or just really picking up things early and having that awareness and education whether it's about yourself or somebody you know and just like getting the help as quickly as you know reaching out as quickly as possible because the help i think you think as soon as you reach out for help like it's gonna be there straight away and it, yeah. i i thought that i was so in denial to yeah. the fact like i just thought okay as soon as i make that first step hunky-dory like it's all going to be fine in a month but actually like the waiting list are that long like it felt so slow for things to progress yeah. and I was I was really trying as well to like get things moving and I just felt like nothing was working so I think I'm the same as you like I regret not actually paying for private counselling earlier to be quite honest but obviously you know it's all kind of I think the whole like everything happens for a reason sort of thing but yeah. um you know me starting that in January like obviously I got contacted by the NHS now in lockdown so about a month ago so I mean obviously it was a whole year being on the NHS waiting list so I mean I could have gone down that route still since lockdown but for me obviously I've already found something that's working person, so yeah. yeah and I think that's the thing just thinking like if I hadn't done that in January like I would have been waiting another six months for, with absolutely nothing so I, I would have got a year without having any kind of yeah. talk in therapy whatsoever um, and that is what's difficult I agree with you in the sense that like you feel like sometimes you're getting treated as well like for me obviously if that had been the 
the case like in a year I would have just got medication but I haven't even been like formally diagnosed by like a psychiatrist so I'm getting kind of treated for something I don't even know what I'm getting treated for and I wouldn't have had any kind of talking therapies whatsoever so it's like I do 100% agree with you that I feel like so sorry for people who have to wait for like a year two years without anything apart from like maybe medication but they're not necessarily even getting like the right medication for their diagnosis in a way like they haven't even been properly diagnosed yeah they just you just need to utilize your friends and family Mm. like they're there for a reason and usually if you have great friends and family they will be there through everything but you have to have such an open communication about it all which is quite difficult but it helps them to understand what you're going through. Yeah, that is really hard, isn't it, as well, sometimes. It's like you sometimes just hope everyone's like a mind reader and can kind of tell how you're feeling, but, like, it's just not the case. So unless you're completely open and honest, which is obviously, again, like you say, it's so hard to actually do, but then otherwise no one will kind of fully understand and won't be able to help you in the best way that, like, they could if you are fully open and honest about it. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it's... They're, my friends and family were amazing through it but they weren't the people who could help me they could help me to a certain extent and keep me going mm-hmm. um, but I did need like the professional help to just like make myself kind of on the path of recovery I guess yeah do you feel like BPD will be something that you'll always kind of have to manage to a certain degree or do you think it's something I mean I'm presuming you can fully recover from it and people do but like what do you think about that or like what have you been kind of told about that um, I think you will always like have it there and there will be times where it may like be in the back of your mind and sometimes it'll be at the forefront of your mind like you know it'll be diff- difficult moving like to a new city or like having new friends falling out with people mm. relationships ending and um, those are really big triggers for me so I think it's just I think now I'm so lucky that I took this year out and was able Definitely. to understand it now because then it's given me the resources to utilise whenever maybe my BPD does flare up again and mm. does like cause me to get into the place I was I yeah. was in. That's so true. Do you feel like a university, like with the dental school, have you had to have much contact with them or like how are they kind of responding to the fact of like, so I know with me personally, like even having depression, but obviously having like the odd suicidal thought and thing, I know that like the dental school have reacted kind of like, you know, sometimes like not like badly, but just kind of, you know, in like a patient safety side of things and kind of thinking about that and like me having to have like Oki Health referrals and stuff like that. I just like wonder for you, like with BPD, with the kind of the impulsivity side of things, like at the dental school, have they said anything about it to you or? have they been kind of supportive in that way of you returning um I mean they haven't really said much about my like diagnosis or anything I think they kind of like unless you openly come forward and say oh yeah I have this like they won't really pay much like thought but they have like I'm on like a level two I don't know I think it's called like safeguarding or something so I'm like have to I'm referred to occupational health um to have a conversation with them which I'm kind of like I don't know because I've taken this year out and I've grown so much Mm. it's kind of like reliving the past I know I can feel yeah but they have to do this you know this is like standard university procedure and they have Mm. like patients and their own students to like look after so yeah it's so important but it's a bit like oh 
you know I feel yeah again. it's like yeah it's like obviously it's I get you because like when I came back from a leave of absence I had to have that initial appointment with Oki Health and I swear it was about literally five minutes but that's what kind of seemed like really interesting to me because when I first came back after leave of absence it was a very quick conversation and it was like you know do you think you're fine now and I was sort of like yeah like you know I've kind yeah. of learned I've you know I've done what I can in the leave of absence like I think I was a little bit in denial at that point though I kind of thought I was better than what I actually was yeah. um, because I didn't really have that long off like even though I had like a leave of absence but it was only like three or four months it wasn't like a whole year or anything which I kind of yeah. semi-regret but it's just kind of the way it worked out with timing and then like that was it and then obviously I was back in uni and everything and then because when things got worse before Christmas for me this year and kind of things went a bit downhill and then I got referred to Oki Health again to like have just kind of like another conversation and then that's why it really surprised me I think because when I had my second conversation with them it got like very kind of escalated and kind of like Mm. these massive reports being written kind of saying like oh you know like sometimes like she might have been impulsive and like you know is that going to be a problem and like her attendance and things and it just felt like oh my god like like you said just having to kind of relive things and then also it kind of felt like a massive kind of contrast to me to like how in September was it so blase and they just didn't really like care and they were just like yeah yeah, yeah. And like if you think you're fine like we're just gonna take your word for it and like yeah like get back to it but then like after Christmas it just seemed very like kind of dramatic like not dramatic it probably isn't the right word but just like it kind of was a lot more like taken very differently to how it was in the September yeah. so I think again it's a lot of confusion around things and I think sometimes for me it was like between the dental school and Oki Health it was kind of like I felt like the communication was just a bit like messed up so it wasn't really like no one really knew you know what I mean like what was meant who was meant to be like saying what or like what the purpose of it all kind of was like what the purpose of the referral was um but yeah, yeah, I do think it's quite difficult because I never, I find that really hard with dentistry, like trying to, I always feel like I have to defend myself in a way to be like, I am fine, like around yeah. patients, like I am okay. And yeah. I feel like there's, I feel like there's more pressure to pretend, like not pretend you're fine, but I feel like that's why I think it is a massive barrier for people seeking help in the first place because they're obviously so freaking out about like Oki Health referrals, fitness to practice, like, and yeah. all of these things. And whether, like, I know a big thing was whether, like, if I'm on antidepressants, mm. would I get, like, the GDSC registration mm. be okay for me? And I didn't even think about that until someone asked me that question. And yeah. I I don't know. I have no idea. I, like, yeah. it's so true. Like, no one tells these things again, do they? So until you have to, like, research it or whatever, like, you just don't even think about it. Like, is that going to be, like, an issue? Or what, like, you know, am I declaring it, like, but it's just, you know, just so they know, but it's, like, not going to affect me in any way? Or, like, is it a negative thing? And I suppose we can't really change that or help it, but, like, all we can do is, like, be honest. But it obviously is a concern, isn't it? Because you always think, well, like, no wonder why people are scared to like come forward in the first place especially people in like dentistry and med students and stuff because they are scared to like how it's going to affect their future development and like their future career yeah no exactly and I think that's why it needs to be talked about more in the dental profession I think it's so important and I think there's so many great resources out there like especially starting the Instagram like there's it's two of us and there's so many more out there yeah I was like I was so surprised to see the amount of people doing it actually, which is amazing because I just thought like, am I the only like dental student who's actually going to say like, I have got a mental health problem. You know what I mean? Like I thought maybe I'm going to be the only dental student like to actually kind of admit it in a way, which I know it's not something you should have to admit, but it just felt like, 
I don't know like how people are going to respond to that but like the yeah. fact that it's actually a lot of us I think because the courses are quite small as well like, obviously the dental schools are like there's not many people per year I think I just thought oh you know there's not going to like be many people on like Instagram doing this kind of thing but like the fact that there is actually other people with the same kind of aims is also like intentions with their kind of like social media in that way yeah. it's like re- really nice to see isn't it yeah and like we're all amazing for doing it too you know mm, like, let's give ourselves credit just, for it yeah 100 <laughs> well chloe thank you so much for coming i'm thank actually so you. excited like i'm gonna well obviously we'll chat like again obviously um but yeah it's been so nice because for me like bpd is something that i did lack awareness of 100 and i mean like you say like unless you've maybe been through these things like it's understandable why you wouldn't have like the best education on it but i think just trying to raise people's awareness so like i've learned so much about like the symptoms to be kind of watching out yeah. for and like the treatment that you know obviously i know everyone will respond differently but the treatment that might work or like just not kind of necessarily thinking like the first person you see like you have to settle with that and that's going to be like the right thing like you might have to kind of persist a bit more to find yeah. what work, what works for you and i'm so glad that like you're on a path of like recovery now and like excited yeah. start back in september it's so exciting <laughs> isn't it just for a bit of a yeah. fresh start it's amazing <laughs> so thank you so much i really appreciate you coming Thank you for having me. No I really problem enjoyed it. at all. I really enjoyed you it. S-